0: much for joining us today on episode number 148 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Sometimes we spend so much time planning and studying that it's questionable how much time we're actually spending doing the thing. So today we're going to talk about the benefits and the setbacks of learning so much that we don't jump in or just jumping in before we are really prepared.
1: This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running.
0: Alright, so like a lot of people this weekend, we watched Hamilton on Disney+, Plus because they released the Broadway recording of the show Hamilton.
1: And now we have children running through the house singing various portions of Hamilton that yes. may or may not be totally appropriate, and they may or may not understand the lines that they're actually singing. Well, they
0: probably don't. No, definitely I mean, no on
1: the second one. It's, it's
0: funny, because like now that I think back and like hear songs as an adult, like there were songs that I knew as a kid growing up, and I knew all the words. I had no idea idea what those words actually meant yeah thank goodness yeah I know you know and it's like even the movies you know that we go back and watch you're like oh my gosh watching it as an adult this is extremely inappropriate that's
1: horribly wrong I can't (laughs) believe I saw that (laughs) when I was 10 when I
0: was 10 so it's like in a way that like you know we obviously want to be cautious about what we show our children, what we expose our children to. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, you know, I had no idea what that meant. So the likelihood of them remembering or really catching any, all of it, you know, is, is kind of low.
1: The funny part is just (laughs) when they repeat a joke that they don't get, but we laughed to it. So they know that it's funny. They know it's funny. Yeah. And so they just keep repeating it, even though they have no idea how it's funny, (laughs) why it's funny or why it's completely inappropriate for them to be saying.
0: Right. So Needless to say, the songs for Hamilton, from Hamilton have been on repeat in our house and therefore in our heads. I know that this morning on my run, um, during my speed work, I was definitely channeling some Hamilton. Uh, I am not throwing away my shot, shot, right? And so that's kind of what inspired this episode, I think, is is a lot of that song and a lot of the themes throughout the movie.
1: Yeah, the themes throughout the movie, that song, I mean, you took a video, uh, this is months and months ago when we were driving to a cross-country meet and singing the uh, the Eminem song, You Only mm-hmm. Got One Shot. Mm-hmm. And like there, you took a video of, like, the two of us singing it and the girls in the back seat as it's still, like, pitch black outside because we were driving, like, pre-dawn to the cross-country meet. We're singing it. They're both looking at us like these are not really my parents, are they? They are and crazy. That's, that's what it was. And it's a very similar theme with that song. And so that kind of led to where this one goes with, where this episode goes with is, is it better to take your shot before you might be fully prepared? Or should you just keep preparing, making sure that you've got all of your ducks in a row before you actually go for it?
0: Right. So luckily, everyone will probably get to hear me sing multiple times in this episode.
1: That's really, that was my goal in <laughs> setting the podcast. because We is know
0: our listeners love that. <laughs> the goal is just have
1: you sing as much as possible.
0: Yes, exactly. So um, I am not I am not throwing away my shot. That's the Hamilton line. Then the M&M is, um, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime, right? Right.
1: You only get one shot. Both of them are basically like, this is it. This is your time.
0: But how do you... need to work on my rapping skills a little bit more. Don't
1: we all? Um, But how (laughs) do you know when that shot is? Like if you go too early, then you're not really prepared for it. But if you go too late, did you miss your shot? Like that's kind of the play back and forth. And you get it from literally both of the songs. And you hear this all the time. If people are like, I want to make sure that I'm prepared, that I I can live up to potential with this shot. But I also don't want to wait too long and miss it. Like Jordan's got a good one of, you know, you miss a hundred. Was it Jordan? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take.
0: I don't remember if that's Michael Jordan, but that's definitely one of the. He's got a quotes. lot of
1: really good lines yeah. on like on shots. He's also got another one about um, that people get all worried before they take the shot. Mm-hmm. And He goes, "Why would I worry? I haven't taken the shot yet."
0: Mm-hmm. Well, he also goes into that shot like he's he always went into the end of the game saying, "Give me the ball." Yes, you know, like if if there was the game on the line, he said, "Give me the ball" because he wasn't afraid of it. Like he knew. In his head, he knew that there was a chance that he he couldn't make it. But he also knew with 100% certainty that he was going to make it.
1: Yes. Like there, yes. That was, he had both.
0: He had both. You know, I mean, like, logistically speaking, you, you know that there's a chance you're going to miss it. But that was not even part of his reality at that point. His His reality is... Give me the ball, I'm going to make the shot. Because you have to believe so fully in what you're doing, in in, in yourself, in, in your abilities, that you're not questioning it constantly. And this is where so many of us get tripped up, I think. Especially... I know I have before. I am definitely a recovering perfectionist, you know, trying to learn all the things and study all the things and get the degrees and have all the things behind my name that I think are going to give me more credibility or that that are going to give me, you know, more street cred or more knowledge, more, um, you know, authority, right? And so I think that a lot of times we can do this in our life and in our running. We can just try to learn all the things, and then it's questionable how much we're actually putting into practice, right? So that's kind of what we're going for today. We're going to talk about, you know, the difference between overstudying and overlearning versus just jumping in and taking that leap of faith and kind of trying to find the balance between the two.
1: Right. All right. So to kind of get things going, really, if you want to kind of change your situation, if you want to head in a new direction, in... Any venue of life, some sort of new adventure, essentially, is going to require you to take a leap of faith because it's not where you currently are, okay? And as soon as you move from where you currently are to something else, that requires new skills, new practices. You have to learn something. You have to move outside of your comfort zone. So maybe it's an easy path. Maybe it's like a slight detour from where you are. Maybe it's a strong turn from where you are. So there are steps along the way that could come really smooth. There are steps along the way that could struggle, but every step is going to be something that you haven't done before. Mm -hmm. So then it's a question of, well, do I need to prepare before I take that step or can I just take that step? And how big of a step that is, Especially not in reality, but in your mind, how big you make that next step then I think helps determine how much sort of extra preparation and study and prep delay you have before you are willing to actually take the step.
0: Right. And I, I agree with that for sure. So it's you know, when you are confronted with the situation of a new path, new steps to take, bigger steps, um, there's basically two ways you can look at it, right? You can do something that someone else has already done. You can follow a path that someone else has already created. So you might be moving outside of your comfort zone, but you know you're not alone because someone else has done it already.
1: Right. You you find people who have done it successfully, and you essentially say, look, they've created a path for me. It's not the path I've been on before, but it is a nicely laid out path. I can just follow that path.
0: Right. So... Option number two would be trying to figure it out yourself, right? Taking your own approach, taking the the road less traveled, which creates more risk in a lot of ways because it's never been done that way before, or at least you don't know that it has been done that way. You've never found someone else who has done it that way before. So that in and of itself creates more risk because there is no proof of concept, which can also, on the other hand, lead to, you know, you feeling more empowered right because this is you like you know what I'm gonna do it on my own I'm gonna figure this out my own way so a lot of people do this either out of trying to be more empowered or maybe they're just stubborn. You I know, I was going to say,
1: or pure stubbornness. <laughs> they just don't
0: want to do it the same way
1: as other people. I can figure this out. And right. the, the thing is, is that it's entirely possible that in just trying to do it your own way, that you do it the way that several other people have done it before. Right. You could have just seen how they did it and followed their path. It would have made your life substantially easier. So, you know, there's there's that side to it. There's also the issue of if you only follow the path that other people have done... Then you're going to get to the results that other people have have achieved. If you're trying to actually try something new, that is a complete new adventure. You know, um, y- you go back to say like the Wright brothers. They're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to create this thing that goes and flies through the sky and transports people. Like that's that's insane, and it hasn't been done before. So they couldn't look at it the way that. Everybody had looked at it before. That's literally why they were the most successful. I mean, that's that's how the story goes of why the Wright brothers were successful. Is because other people were trying to take the physics that they knew about how things should pl- should fly and apply them. Mm-hmm. And the Wright brothers knew how bikes should work, and then they tried to use that thought and apply like an outside perspective, and they figured out how to fly.
0: Right. Yeah. So there's you know good things and more negative things that you can say about both methods, right? But I think that a lot of people, especially if they're just starting out, do tend to choose the first one first, right? Trying to follow a path that someone else has already taken that you can follow in someone else's footsteps. You know, you find a mentor or a guide or a coach or someone that can like lead you along the path, right? Because quite frankly, if they've done it and they've had success, then there's a higher likelihood that you are going to have success using the same method, right? You might not have the exact same results. And I think this is important to point out also because you're a different person, right? So just because you use the same method does not guarantee the same results, but it, more, it gives you a, a higher guarantee that you will have some success, you know, like that, that success might look a little different based on everything that you're bringing into the situation, but it's, you have a higher chance of success following a path that has already been laid.
1: Yeah. It sort of gives you a, a range of, of successful eventual outcomes. Mm-hmm. Like um, it might not be exactly where that person got to, but I'm going to be somewhere in the ballpark of where that person got to.
0: Right. And I think that it's also important to then take those experience that we have and then add our own thought process to it right like there's there's a lot of times you can you can learn the basics you can learn the framework you can learn the method and then you can take that and apply it to your situation. Like the Wright brothers, they didn't go in with no knowledge whatsoever. You right. know, they had a lot of knowledge about different things. They then took that knowledge, those basics, and then applied it in different ways. They started thinking outside the box. They started to to look and, and see where they could expand that knowledge to. And I think that's the key.
1: Yeah, that's what it was, is to get to someplace even new, they didn't start from ground zero. Right. They they <laughs> It really climbed as far as as everybody had taken it, but then they used their new perspective mm-hmm. to leap from there, right. and they were leaping to different you know conclusions and different um, experiments than other people were looking at because of their own personal background. Behind right, it.
0: right. So in either method, whether or not you take the path that's already been beaten down or you take a brand new path, the situation is going to be new for you. You know, someone else might have done it first, but it's still going to be something new for you. And so when that takes us back to the whole, you know, new, what what our brain does when we encounter a new situation, right? Because new is different and different then has inherent risks because it's not something that we've ever done before. So our brain is hardwired to protect us. So we tend to avoid those newer situations because we don't know them yet. We don't have the neural pathways created yet to help us navigate those situations. We want to stay safe. It's our brain's primary job to keep us alive and safe.
1: No matter what the origi- the, the thought is like if it's new and different, our brain will treat it as risky. If you've never run before and you know, and you read the books and you're like, oh, okay, well, here's my training plan. It's a couch to 5k. Many people have successfully done this before. And you go out the door and you try and go run for 20 minutes and your brain's like, yeah, we haven't done this before. This is a dangerous idea. Mm. And it's, it's not, it's a healthy choice that you're made, but it's different than the choices that you've made before. And so your brain will automatically think that it's different. than therefore dangerous and try and put up ways for you to avoid it right
0: and so that's why you know it can be very helpful to get into things a little bit more slowly and conservatively right and kind of give your brain time to catch up and
1: get on board <laughs> hey look at this we were able to be successful at this little teeny step right you don't have to go from couch i mean couch the, to marathon exactly that's yeah. the difference between why there's a couch to 5k and there's not a ton of couch to marathon programs they exist you, uh, dangerously so um <laughs> your brain may be. Right on that one. Um, But there's a reason why most of them are like, okay, head out the door and go for a walk, head out the door and walk for 10 minutes, run for a minute, and then walk for another 10 minutes Mm -hmm. because you can be successful at that. And now your brain starts seeing wins along the way. It sees that that path is not that scary. It starts getting evidence that you can, in fact, do this thing and it's not going to kill you. Because that's its immediate thought. Like its thought is, this is different. It may in fact kill me.
0: Right. I feel like I'm dying. Right. Like how many times have first time runners said that or thought that to themselves, right? Today's going to be the first day of the rest of my life. I'm going to go out on my 30 minute run and you're like, oh my God, I'm dying. Everything hurts and I'm dying, right? It's like that gif of Amy Poehler.
1: (laughs) Everything hurts and I'm dying. (laughs) Yeah. Or, oh God, who was it? Was it, oh, Des Linden who took like a month off after they canceled the Olympics. And then she put up on her Twitter feed, like, this is my first run out Please pray for me. Mm -hmm. And then the post the next day was the best one because it's the one that like everybody can identify. Day two. This was the worst run I've ever had in my entire life. And that's a good thing because now I know this is the worst run I will ever have in my entire life. It only goes up from there. But most people are like, okay, day one, I was able to handle that. I feel exhausted, but I can get out the door again for day two. And then day two feels miserable. And you're like, I should be feeling better, but you're not. You're feeling worse. Mm -hmm. And you're like, how am I possibly going to come up for day three? And day three actually goes in the right direction. The problem is people quit before they get to day three.
0: Right. That's the problem or, you know, week three, yes. you know, for a lot of us, it's for a lot of people, it's those first two weeks that are really brutal. So if you are a new runner and you're just listening to this podcast for the first time and you know, you're in the first couple of weeks of starting your running habit in your running journey, we encourage you to please stick with it because it is worth it. Um, and it will get better. Like it, at the beginning, th- those first two weeks are not the most friendly weeks, but if you just stick with it, you know, there are better days ahead. We can promise you that. So, you know, this is the whole idea of, you know, going back to the idea that our brain wants to keep us safe, right? Um, Having small wins along the way is very important with this, but this also takes us back to the idea of changing our underlying identity is the key in order to change our behavior. Because if we tell ourselves that we are a runner, if we tell ourselves that we are a healthy person, we then have to do the actions of a runner or a healthy person. So a lot of people think that they need to do the things first in order to be a runner or be whatever it might be. But it's actually the opposite. You actually have to accept the identity first and then you will act in alignment and do the things that you need to do. Because how many times do people go out, and I know we hear this all the time, unfortunately, that have run... 5Ks and 10Ks and half marathons and marathons. And they're like, yeah, but I'm not really a runner. And I'm like, what? huh? Like, seriously? Like, of course you are. You and know, they,
1: they cross the finish line. There's literally a medal around their ra- right. their neck and a number still on their chest. And they're like, yeah, not really a runner. Wait, then what the heck are you?
0: Well, then that's a lot of times the people that say that are the ones that also struggle with inconsistency. They're the people that need to have a race on the calendar in order to motivate them because they haven't fully accepted the identity of runner yet.
1: Right. They're a racer, not a runner. Mm. And a racer says, okay, well, I mean, I do the minimum to, make sure that I'm prepared for that race, that I can get to that finish line, but I'm not really a runner. Like, runners do other things. Like, no, 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 you, you run, therefore you're a runner. Like, you can't do the actions of somebody Um, that you haven't actually become yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you have to actually be that person and then you do the actions. Like you can fake it for a little while. Like you can come up with a lot of motivation and like get yourself out the door Mm -hmm. and go and be like, yes, I'm going to run or yes, I'm going to start eating more vegetables. But unless you've decided... I'm a healthy eater or I am a runner. I am a regular exerciser. Mm -hmm. You're going to fall off pretty quickly because that's not at your core. If at your core, you're like, Hey, you know what? I'm a couch potato with poor eating habits guess what's going to happen in week two yeah. when it doesn't feel great? Like you're not going to make it to that part where you start seeing the benefits because your identity, your core never changed. And so when you're in week two and you're still enjoying more vegetables, you're going to be like, you know what? I don't enjoy these that much because at your core, you've identified yourself as someone with unhealthy eating habits. Right.
0: So that takes us back to how to combat the need for motivation, which is another thing that so many people talk about too, is like, oh, I just need more motivation. Well, you know, if you change who you are, if you decide to be a different person, you won't need as much motivation because it will just be a part of who you are. But that takes us on a little bit of a different tangent. So let's get back to our ideas here of, you know, the, the ideas of, Practicing, learning, versus doing and just jumping in.
1: Yes, you only get one shot.
0: You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow.
1: This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. (laughs) Yes, nailed it. God, we're so good at rapping. We
0: we need to really be better at this.
1: We should practice during dinner. Our kids will enjoy that a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so method one, okay? Practice, practice, and then practice some more. And then if you're not sure, you should probably learn some more like open a book listen to some more podcasts listen to some more audio books like what else can I
1: learn let's get another course then I can try another book and then I mean that book was fine but at the back of that book it recommended that I read these other three books so I should definitely read these books right so
0: I I shouldn't even we shouldn't even say practice practice because that practice actually implies that you're doing things right this is more of like learning right learning planning planning things out learning more trying to figure out better ways to do something and that takes us back to that idea of like you know if I handed you a book that taught you how to swim right how the book the name of the book is how to swim and it takes you there's pictures there's instructions it very well you know lays out exactly the steps that you need to do in order to swim would you be able to swim had you like if you had never gotten in water before and you read that book would you be able to swim And the answer is no.
1: No, not at all. Right?
0: Like you cannot actually know whether or not you can swim until you get in the pool and you actually do it. You actually try to swim.
1: I mean, the swimming is is always a good good one to that one. If you've ever tried to teach a small kid how to ride a bike, you're like, okay, you're just gonna get on here and you're gonna start pedaling, and you have to balance. And keep Mm pedaling, but try to explain all the things to them. The physics behind why a bicycle works, I won't even cover in my honors physics class because it's so complicated. Now, try and teach that to the the six-year-old trying to learn how to ride a bike. That still
0: trips over their own two feet when they're walking.
1: Exactly. Don't (laughs) worry. We're going to take these training wheels off. So now, as the parent, you're like, okay i got to convince them that this is going to work if they just keep pedaling. As a parent, you have to convince yourself that when I let go, they're going to fall, and I have to convince them that they're going to be able to keep getting back up because if they do it several more times, they're going to get it. And I can't just sit here and explain exactly how to pedal and how to hold your hands. Like That's all the little individual things you do, but think about going out and riding a bike right now. You don't think about it as you go along, especially you, miss. I'm going to ride all over the place without my hands on the handlebars. Look how fancy pants I am. (laughs) That was my Angie impression for those of you listening.
0: That was a terrible Angie impression, (laughs) (laughs) but I am pretty fancy without my hands. So, but yeah, I mean, it's funny because now those of us that have been riding bikes for years and years and years, we're not even going to talk about how many years, but you... It's hard to explain to someone because you just go out and you just do it. And that it is literally that easy. You have to sit on a seat and balance and pedal your feet, you know, forward. Yes. Not not forward and backward, but you have to push down on the pedal and then push down on the other pedal and keep it moving. Like, it's not complicated, but when you're first learning as a child, it's so complicated and so scary.
1: Right, and I'm there looking at the physics of it, and I'm watching you try and hold the back seat and the kids going up and down the sidewalk, and I'm like, but literally to ride a bike, you... First, start falling to the left, and then you push down with the left pedal that forces your bike to fall to the right. And then to cancel that, you push with the right. Like, you literally are just perpetually falling from one side to the other to the other to the other, hmm. which is why I don't know how you manage to do this without your hands.
0: Because that terrifies me. <laughs> practice 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 i know right it's not about reading the book about how to do it it's getting out there and doing it i know know?
1: i've i've read the physics book and it almost puts me into the point where i know so much that i'm now frozen right because i'm like you shouldn't be able to physically ride a bike it doesn't work yeah the same it's the uh bumblebee analogy a bumblebee should not be able to fly a bumblebee's wings are not big enough to support the weight of its body. They should never be able to get off the ground, mm-hmm. but no one ever explained that to the bee.
0: <laughs> right. And I think that you're completely correct there, that like you can get to a point where you do know too much. And and I, I'm seeing the same thing in a friend of mine right now um, that's kind of on the front lines of COVID. She knows so much <laughs> yeah. that she's not willing to take a lot of the other risks that people that don't know as much are taking, you know. And we're not I'm not getting into a debate right now about which one we should be on, but obviously we should all be taking precautions. We should all be being smart about how we're interacting with other human beings right now. But um, you know, it's important for us to learn and to know and have some level of baseline knowledge before we do embark on something, I think. I think that in in the, you know, for the most part, that is a good idea.
1: Yeah, it's a safety perspective. Like, you need some sort of foundation, both physically and mentally, before you try something new. Mm -hmm. Like, if you know, let's go a little more extreme here. If you want to get into ultra running, Mm. you're not just going to be like, you know what I should do? I should just sign up for a race. Like if it's a 5k, that's a little bit less intimidating of a distance. You could sign up for a 5k and with poor training and a bottle of water, you could probably get yourself to the finish line. You sign up for a hundred mile race through some mountains. You're not making it to the end. Like, you're not just going to be like, I don't know, we'll give it a shot and see how it goes. I guess I'll learn something. Like, yeah, you're going to learn that you can't get to the finish line Mm-hmm. So there does need to be some some foundation laid down, both physically and mentally. You can learn what other people have done. This is where you seek out the mentor, you seek out the, the the coach. You find people that have been successful. You look at what they've done, and then you look at how your life applies that same thing. Like you don't have to do exactly what they do, but it kind of gets applied and it gives you an idea of an approach to take.
0: Right. The negative of all of that is that. You know, you can just keep learning. There's literally, with the way that the world is right now and the internet and the amount of information that we have at our disposal, you can spend all of your time learning. There's always another nook or cranny to investigate and it can in some times, you know, some ways prevent you from taking action because you're like, well, I don't know enough yet. And that takes us back to last week's episode of when is enough enough? When is good enough enough? Like, will good enough lead to greatness? Like, because in this situation – having enough knowledge, being good enough with that baseline level of knowledge can lead to greatness, but you have to jump in at some point. You're not going to get, you know, Ben Ben Franklin, Alexander Hamilton, like all of our founding fathers, they didn't just constantly read. They did. They read a lot. But the, Alexander Hamilton, he wrote thousands and thousands and thousands of pages, right? That was like one of the ongoing lines in, this, yes. in the show, right? Is that you write like you're... Like you write like you're running out of time. Right, like you're running is. out of time. You, you write like you're running out of time because he, he just was constantly writing. But that was good. He was also constantly reading, but he also jumped in and took action.
1: Yes, he he jumped in and took action. I mean, if you want to f- see how quickly overwhelming you can, if you want to leave, live in the world of you can always learn more look up like how to eat healthy. Just open up Google and type in how to eat healthy. Forget it. You'll never eat again. Well, you can't, you won't eat again because there's thousands and thousands, probably millions of websites that will tell you how to eat healthy.
0: Probably. And healthy is different for different people. Like there's Um, literally so many different ways to eat quote unquote healthy. healthy. You know, that's why I picked that term because it's
1: such a vague, nebulous term. How to eat healthy. And everybody's got a opinion, and then you'll click one thing and it will contrast the next one so now you have to find mm-hmm. a third one that figures out well which one of those ones better right. Ooh, I need to find the doctor who can actually explain method but there's the doctor who's explaining and justifying both methods right. so which one's the best and all you're doing is learning without ever actually figuring out how any of those apply to you
0: right it's, it's the classic term analysis paralysis right Ooh, good one it, it basically means that you are just stuck in analysis mode that you are literally paralyzed to taking any sort of actual of action because you're just trying to learn more trying to decipher, trying to figure out what is the quote unquote best but what's best for one person is not always what's best for someone else so this is where it takes you know to learn where you actually are you have to take that leap of faith you have to jump in because nothing teaches you like your own personal experience you're not going to know whether or not all of the information you're learning is any good unless you actually get in and do it you know it's the same thing when I was in grad school I was learning all of this stuff in physical therapy school and how to interview people and then the correct testing that I'm supposed to do and how to test their muscles Strengthen and their joints. And, you know, thank goodness we had hands-on labs all the time in PT school where we would practice on each other. That was helpful, but it's not until you actually get into the clinic and are actually dealing with real patients that you're interviewing that are, that have these problems and these problems are real. It's not just your classmate. That's like reading the script of, you know, I have, (laughs) you know, knee osteoarthritis. What should I do? Like what tests do I take? And all these things like you're dealing with a real human being and it's not clean, you know, like
1: that's the big one. It's not clean. It's not
0: clean. Like there, there's just, there's so many facets. There's so many things going into it and you're like, Oh wait, but you also have diabetes and hypertension and all these different things. And, oh, what about this other thing? And then I, oh, you have that injury from football when, you know, 50 years ago. And, like, there's yes. so many things. And so it's experience is the best teacher, you know. And after being in the clinic for almost 15 years now, God, um It's one of those things that like I can come up with things and I can diagnose people just by listening to them for like 10 minutes without even putting my hands on them because I have that level of expertise now, but I did not start. And like when I first came out of physical therapy school, I will tell you right now, I had more knowledge then than I have now, like book knowledge, right? Because I was a straight A student. I memorized all the stuff. I passed my boards. Like you have the most amount of knowledge right out of school.
1: But you have no experience.
0: No experience, right? Right? So I am a much better therapist now. Even though I could not tell you all of the spinal tracks and you know all the tracks in the spinal cord and all the different neurons and like all these very specific terms that I knew in PT school, but now I know how all of that applies to real life and what amount like which knowledge is actually applicable and important.
1: Right. You, you have made it to the next level. You made it past knowledge and into application and yep. you're really good at that. And if you need a tiny detail, you've got books and notebooks that oh, you can go back and find a tiny detail if you want. Um, so one of the big things that takes you from the, the learning into the doing is accepting the statement that you are never fully prepared ever. Like you're just, <laughs> you're not. Like, this is why I went with try Googling how to eat healthy. You will never consume all that amount of information. You need to consume enough information that you have a baseline of safety and then you have to go. So that's kind of method one is you just kind of keep going and going and going. Is like you with said. Learning. Yeah. It's that it, you just keep learning. It's paralysis. It's analysis paralysis. Analysis
0: paralysis. You're in
1: student mode. And, and that doesn't actually get you anywhere. Eventually you have to accept that you have learned enough and, and go with it and mm-hmm. try something. Right. Okay. Then there's method two, which is I'll need to learn it. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. <laughs> It's a different different approach. It's mm-hmm. this is the jump and you will build the wings on the way down.
0: Yep. You'll figure S- it out.
1: Seems dangerous.
0: Well, it can be, <laughs> clearly, you know, but you know, if experience is the best teacher, then this method should provide us lots of lessons, right? So it's it's kind of the opposite. It's you know, method one is kind of learning and then doing. This one is doing and then learning the lessons from the doing.
1: Right. But if you don't have the baseline, then it's hard to really learn lessons. You can look like you've got all the practical applications. Like your knowledge is very, very personal. It's grounded in direct experience. Mm -hmm. And so you could say that your knowledge instead of book knowledge, like I learned a lot of stuff. In you know grade school and high school and college, I learned a lot of details. Like you said, we watched Hamilton. I learned all of the history around the American Revolution. Maybe there... not
0: all of it. You learned what they taught you. Well, I learned. You learned what the history books had in it. I which, learned what which the history we books... all know is not the full picture
1: completely true but yeah. I learned you know like dates and battles yep. and you know who was the president and the vice president the secretary and blah 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 I learned all these details I was taught by this very old priest who with the joke was that he didn't actually have to teach from the book he just taught from his childhood experiences <laughs> about the American Revolution right so um but like I, I bring this up of those kind of details not all of the the whole picture but mm-hmm. those details because during the the play when we were watching with the kids Rye would look over and ask a question. I'd be like, I don't remember. Yeah. Like, was that, what was the point of that battle? I'm like, ooh. I could have told you that was a battle in the American Revolution, but mm-hmm. I don't know the details. I don't know the timeline along that because I've forgotten it. I haven't mm-hmm. applied it anymore. So one of the best parts of method two, this jump, is that your knowledge is so personal and grounded that you don't really forget the details about it.
0: Yeah, that's true because it's your own personal experience. And as human beings, we are built for stories. Stories help us to remember details. And if you can attach... A lesson to a story of something that happened in your life you are so much more likely to remember those details and that's why you know we have um like the anagrams right and the are not anagrams just anagrams anagrams no yeah like aren't anagrams when like a word like each letter of a word means something like every good boy does fine is is how you remember the piano scale
1: Mm, that's not an anagram not an anagram what is that called Mnemonic device?
0: Mnemonic device! (laughs) An anagram is something else. An
1: anagram is a word that just got scrambled around and the letters get all jumbled up?
0: Oh, okay. I guess I'm getting confused with like e anagram, which is that new personality. New, like, are
1: you a one one through nine?
0: Yeah, there's one through nine. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so a mnemonic device, right? Or um, songs, you know, how you used to use songs to remember the state capitals or those kinds of things. Or the
1: alphabet. Let's take it back to very, very early knowledge. You don't teach kids the alphabet by saying, a, B, C, like there's a song that there's goes song. with it. And there's a reason why that song is the same as Twinkle Twinkle Little Star.
0: And Happy Birthday, right? They're
1: all the same freaking song. Yeah. So because it's it's comfortable and then you can apply new knowledge to things that you've already learned because you already understand one thing. So building off of previous knowledge that is like deeply rooted, you're not going to forget it, previous knowledge, it's easier to build off of that.
0: Right. And then the, another benefit of this way of learning too is that there is no nebulous theory. Like you just have facts that you've learned through experience. So these facts that you see as truths, right? Because a lot of times we learn things one way and then our experience, our life experience tends to show us some different things. So there's the whole process of unlearning things, which I think a lot of us are doing right now. And with the ideas of of racism and prejudice and things that are coming up right now and white privilege and all these things that are being brought to the forefront um, of, Our society right now, social justice, and all of this is like there are these things that some people were never aware of and are now being confronted with, and are like, well, that's not true because that's not how I learned it.
1: That's not how I learned it. You know, so
0: it's now people. A lot of people are going through this process of unlearning things that we thought to be true, that we thought were facts, and truthfully there aren't there's no such thing as truths it's just they're all beliefs it's just how, you know the weight that you give to anything that determines whether or not it's a truth in your life
1: right and this is sort of goes back to your your book knowledge is did you come out of school with more ability like you came out of school with more knowledge mm-hmm. but less like hands-on experience which one makes you a, a more able physical therapist like I would argue that the experience behind it because what you learned is that all of the situations are far more complicated than the book made them.
0: <laughs> That's true but at the same time you have to have that base level of knowledge or you have no idea where to go. Like if a patient walked into my room and I didn't have the knowledge from PT school I would have no idea where to even start with that person.
1: The problem is, is that in PT school you learned this is the symptoms that you'll see if this is what the person right. is displaying. This diagnosis. Yes, it's this diagnosis but when they come in with Three separate issues simultaneously, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, this symptom points over here, but this symptom points over there. Yep. What the heck? And it turns out the answer is both simultaneously, and or that wasn't in the C. book. Or option C. You know, that's
0: why I love having a student. Like, I love teaching students, you know, because they'll, they'll come in and I'm like, you know, <laughs> they'll poor these poor students, especially if it's like their first rotation, you know, they'll sit down and they'll start doing the eval and they'll be asking all the questions and I am I just smile because I I know exactly where they're coming you know from, right? know the script. Right? And they know, <laughs> okay, now I'm supposed to te- test their range of motion and I'm going to get out my measuring thing and my goniometer and now I'm going to te- do their manual muscle testing and I'm going to push down on their legs and... And then I start to see their face. They're like, they're all confident. And then their face starts to kind of look more confused because there's conflicting information. Well, that wasn't supposed to happen. Like, that's not how the textbook told me it was going to happen. That's
1: not how the textbook told me. (laughs) Right. Because they made their first thing and their brain went down that path. And so then they knew they were going to do this next test because they were supposed to do that next test. But they already knew the answer to it.
0: Right. Or or they get, um, you know, we get in the diagnoses the script prescriptions from the physicians and half the time they're wrong, quite honestly, like maybe I shouldn't say half, but a lot of times they're wrong or the diagnosis is a symptom and not a cause, like low back pain. That's a symptom. That's not a cause. Like what's causing the low back pain? Is it a herniated disc? Is it arthritis? Like what exactly is happening? Right. And so a lot of time I'll get diagnosis, right? Shoulder pain. Like, thanks doc. You know, like, don't worry. I got it. (laughs) You know, but it's, it's one of those things where, especially when they, the students start to get things that don't match up with Mm -hmm. the diagnosis on the prescription that we get. Then they get very confused.
1: Which is super confusing. So this also leads to paralysis. Not because they're so overwhelmed with knowledge that they just keep learning and learning, but they're actually presented with such a novel situation that they have to take all of their knowledge and come up with a new way of putting it together before they can take the next step.
0: And if they don't have the basis of the knowledge, then they can't make that next step. Because you need to have a big enough knowledge base. Like, it doesn't have to be massive. You don't have to know every single in and out. There's a lot of things you can figure out on the fly. But you need to have a baseline. And that's why, you know, in PT school, for example, since we're talking about this, like, there's a national board exam. You have to have a minimum level of knowledge before you can go out and safely treat people.
1: I had to pass a board also in order to be able to become a teacher. That's excellent. Thank you. All right. So (laughs) so. Just saying, I also nailed a standardized test. Excellent. I think I had three of them, actually, because I had to take one to prove that I knew basic physics knowledge yeah, before well, I could had, teach it.
0: You had to take your, certificate, your subject certification. Yeah, so. I had
1: to be, take my like teacher certification and then subject certification. That was a fun one. Um, all right, so anyway, method two, we've pointed out there's some positives and negatives, just to kind of be very clear on some of these negatives is they can be a little risky if you just leap out without the baseline knowledge but they can also just be really time consuming mm-hmm. because you don't have to go out and and reinvent the wheel in order to drive to the grocery store
0: right and this is one of the <laughs> things i even tell our our kids like you know our our oldest is 10 and a half and i tell her sometimes like babe like, I had to figure a lot of this out on my own. I'd like to impart some of this knowledge on you so that you don't have to spend the time figuring it out. I know you can. I know you will if you have to. But you don't have to. So if I can make your life a little bit easier by giving you the things that I've already figured out and I've already learned, wouldn't that be better? Because then you can take that base level knowledge and then jump to even Greater things.
1: Yes, which is the ultimate goal is to jump to even greater things.
0: How do you think this applies to running?
1: You can take um, essentially what coaches have been learning for years and years and years. There's a lot of different coaching philosophies out Mm -hmm. there. And this is, you know, from the the running perspective, if you Google how to eat healthy, you get a bunch of answers. If you Google how to train for a marathon, how to train for a 5k, how to run faster, how to run faster, you get a lot of different philosophies coming at you and they don't necessarily agree with each other. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you can't get faster just because there are two paths to get to the same same destination doesn't mean you can't make it to the destination. It's not read everything down both paths. It's pick one and go for it and see how that applies to you. And if you start going down the left path and you're like, I mean, yeah, it'll get there because that this path has been proven time and time again, that it will get you to the destination. But if it's, Boring. Yeah, if it's boring, (laughs)
0: like this isn't fun.
1: Yeah, I mean that's literally what I was going to say. Is if it doesn't, if it doesn't excite you, you're going to need a different path. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing: that doesn't mean that you're not stoked and super excited in week two. Yeah. Because as we pointed out, like you need some time to kind of get into something before you start feeling the flow. Before Mm -hmm. you start kind of getting some results coming back, you need some positive feedback.
0: Now, now I have that '90s song in my head. Feel the flow. Excellent. Here we go, now feel the flow. Do you remember that song? Not
1: at all. Oh,
0: it was 90s hip-hop for you.
1: Oh, in the <laughs> 90s, I had already flipped over to country music.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I think they were one-hit wonders. I forget who even sing, sang it.
1: There were no one-hit wonders in the 90s. Everybody <laughs> had such even. long careers.
0: <laughs> like the Macarena. All right, so, sorry, I interrupted you. So, you were saying pick an option, right? Pick, a, and, pick an and, option. And figure out where, you know, if it's something that does excite you. If it's something that you you are... Um, Looking forward to doing, basically. Like, because, for example, you know, this is a great running example. Um, You will be able to run faster and run longer by going out and running every day and just, like, steadily and slowly and safely increasing your mileage, right? Yes. And there's lots of training philosophies that go with that right long slow distance keep your heart rate under a certain level and just keep adding some distance on and you'll just gradually be able to run longer and run faster and that's kind of one of the more classic ways but to me when I first started running that was like Stab me, you know, in, an, in my eye with a pencil. Boring. Like, it was so boring. I could not just go out and run slowly every single day. And
1: I knew there was no way I was going to convert you into a runner by being like, you know what you should do today? Yeah. Another 30-minute easy jog.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> that sounds awful to me because it's so boring. And, like, you know, obviously then I didn't even know what easy was because I definitely wasn't running easy at the time when I first started running. I was just going out and trying to get my maximum calorie burn every day so that well, I could lose weight and be a skinny college student. But, you know, that's a different story. <laughs> I
1: mean, let's take a little bit fast forward into when we started running more together. Right. Then, you, then you find an easy of what is easy Well, on a treadmill. What's easy on your own personal treadmill mm-hmm. versus what's easy on a treadmill when there's other people in the gym who you know are all staring at you and watching and judging? Mm-hmm. Because that's what they do. Right,
0: because <laughs> my, the, clearly the number on my treadmill matters to anybody else, right? <laughs> so, but the, I was not excited about the idea of just going out and running slow and easy every single day and so Kevin introduced me to interval training which to me was so much more fun where I would run faster for a couple minutes and then slow down for a couple of minutes and then maybe take some walking breaks and like doing the intervals just made it so much more interesting because I didn't have to like go out and just slug through 30 minutes 60 minutes 45 minutes whatever it was I could like change up the speeds and the paces and it was so much more fun and engaging for me that that inspired me to continue with it.
1: Right, because I I essentially took your run and said, all right, this needs to be broken up into small, bite-sized things that I have to do this just for a few minutes and this just for a few minutes. It turns it into more of like the practice of most other sports. You do this activity for a little bit of time, then this activity for a little bit of time, and then, you know, in like a game performance, they all come together, but not even at the same time. Mm. But you have to just do bits and pieces, and then you can see success in those little bite-sized pieces and it stays a little more exciting. You liked it.
0: No, that's interesting though because especially with my background in like team sports and ball sports, like it's no wonder that that appealed more to me.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: So you're so smart. I wasn't just
1: making this up. You're
0: such a good coach. But, you know, that, thank goodness. And, you know, Kevin, I'm sure, had plenty of times of frustration with me. And he's just like, just do what I tell you to do. And freaking like, run. But why? Like, I would constantly question him. Which, But honestly, I think that it made you a better coach. And I'm not saying that I made you a better coach. But when, when someone challenges you. We can, you, we can put you... that
1: to an audience. Who thinks that she just said that she made me a better coach? Pretty sure that's the words you I'm pretty, said. I'm pretty
0: sure our tribe is going to be on my side here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things that like, you know, when you have people that challenge your thoughts and beliefs, then it, it forces you to reevaluate why you're doing certain things. And then that can either reinforce the way you're doing them. You're like, yeah, you know, this makes total sense. Or it can help you rethink things and say, okay, maybe there could be a better way.
1: Right. And or a different way. The The challenge... My personal challenge when you kept asking why at the beginning was like, because I've been running for a freaking decade. You've and I'm been fast running. as heck. I'm pretty damn fast, <laughs> and I've been running for a decade. You've been running for a week and a half, so just listen to me. But <laughs> it turns out that that's not a very good way to explain things to Angie.
0: It's a good thing because, <laughs> like, if you, like, Coach that way, like with our current coaching clients, I don't think it'd go over so well.
1: No, no, not at all. It would have also gone over really, really poorly with you. And so I needed to come up with a way. And then I also needed to realize that when you asked why, it's because you wanted to know why, not because you were saying, I think you're doing this wrong. Like you were actually just wanting to know Why, and then sometimes I'd be like, Well, that's just how I've always done it, it gets the results. And you can actually go through like coaching books and stuff of, Well, this coach has always done it this way, and it leads to good results. And scientists can't prove why, yeah. Like, there's a lot of like, um. Physiologists like exercise scientists and stuff who are trying to basically justify why what running coaches have been doing for twenty years works right. like the coach didn 't read the science and say oh this is how i 'm going to design my workout they kept tweaking things with real life mm-hmm. actual athletes and found the thing that works right. and so they kept doing it and now the physiologists are out there like okay well this works let 's prove why it works right.
0: let 's find the mechanism for it and you know it 's funny though but because those different coaches have athletes. And there are some athletes that those ways, those systems don't work for. And those athletes then went and found other coaches, you know, like there are some systems that work better for certain people at versus others.
1: It gets, it it gets to be a challenge on like the high school level, because Mm -hmm. when you get to a professional athlete, you get the athlete that finds the coach that works for them. And if it doesn't, then they find another coach. In high school, we get everybody who comes out for the cross-gender team right. and they don't all work with the same plan.
0: And they can't find another coach because you are the coach the of that co- high school. Like, that's,
1: that's what we got. Right, so that
0: challenges you more to then try to figure out other ways to help that athlete, to make them the best that they could be. Right. And that, that kind of goes back to me questioning you and why I question a lot of things in life and it's not because I'm questioning your authority it's not because I'm questioning you to say like you're wrong it's because by me understanding the why behind it it helps me to buy into it more fully like that's the kind of thinker that I am like if I can understand the reasoning behind something versus just go out and do this it will make me more committed to it because I'll understand, oh, okay, there is a rhyme and a reason. There is a purpose. This is why I'm doing this sort of thing.
1: Right. Or there's not a rhyme or reason, so I, in fact, can probably skip this today.
0: Right. Or I can just trust that my coach knows what he's doing.
1: Yes. Because sometimes know? that's the answer. Sometimes is, that is the answer. I'm not sure why, but re- it really seems to work very well. And right. People get hurt when they don't do it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes sometimes that's what I got. All right. Yeah. So we've come over with a couple of methods is learn and learn and learn or jump and as as you may have guessed the answer is that it's not that you have to pick one or the other that it's it's kind of both it just sort of depends on what your current circumstances are. Mm -hmm. We should really pick both options. And the challenge is not just constantly leaping from one to the other, but also not staying with one for so long that then it seems super scary to change to the other one. Because as soon as you stick with something for too long, that's now your like ingrained way of doing things. So it's hard to jump to the other one even if what you've been doing is the more riskier approach of like i'm just going to keep jumping and jumping and jumping then to go into the learning aspect where you just sort of like pause for a second and just try and take in information. That's a different way of doing it. And so that seems super scary. It's like, well, I won't ever make any progress if all I do is stop and just try and learn stuff. That seems super, super scary to do.
0: Yeah, it can be for sure, especially when you're in that do mode, you know, like when you're in that mode and like, especially with running, like if you're training for something and it's not really working out and it might be a good time to kind of take a step back and reevaluate things. It can be really scary for people and, you know, some of our clients come into our program and we're like, you know what, you're overtraining right now. Like it's it's really hard to tell people to take a step back and say, you know what, I, I need you to do something different here. we need you to take a step back we need you to cut back on your mileage because we need to work on your foundation we need to integrate some strength training in here and people are very hesitant to do that even though you know we explained to them there's gonna be a long term payoff here We have to play the long game like you are plagued by injuries like you you ramp your mileage up to a certain point and then you get hurt and then you know so if you keep doing that over and over and over again, you're going to keep getting the same results. So we need to pull back. We need to learn a couple new things and start to do things a little bit differently for you to start getting different results.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, one of the challenges about that in, in either of these things is if if you've been in that do, do, do mentality, and then you have to kind of flip into the the more learning, the more pausing, take a pull, like like pull back on on the situation, it feels like you may miss out on your opportunity, which is really where we started here.
0: I am not throwing away my shot.
1: Perfect. And I you're
0: keep, not. I keep getting like throwing away and giving away. I keep wanting to say giving away. That's why I always hesitate there. Excellent. I am not throwing away my shot
1: stop hesitating. That's the whole point of this is you don't have to hesitate. You can go for it. But if you do, you're not missing your shot. And more importantly, you also have not already missed it because some people will learn and learn and learn. And then they'll look back and be like, Oh, I should have done it already. Yeah. And then, then they're frozen because they feel as though they've already missed their shot. You haven't, you're not going to miss it and you have not already missed it. You are, in fact, exactly where you are supposed to be. You are in the best position to take your next shot because... That's what you, you are in the position in your life that you were supposed to be in. You didn't miss anything. You're not going to miss the next thing. If you pause and continue learning, you are going to take the next shot exactly when it's time for you and you will have the result that you were supposed to have.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's something that we just need to accept. And it's not easy to accept. It's not easy to accept that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Because as human beings, we tend to look back and they always say that, you know, looking back is... 2020 vision is 2020 right and so it's easy to look back and point out all the mistakes we made and maybe the opportunities that we quote unquote missed but if you are where you are right now You're not supposed to have those ones like you are exactly where you are supposed to be in this lifetime in your life experience right now because you are the only person that has this the experience and the knowledge that you possess. So you are exactly what you need to where you need to be right now. So what you need to do at this point is to take what you have and then decide what you need more of because that I mean, that can be tricky, right? It can be tricky to decide what, I, what you need more of. But if you want to move forward, if you want to start doing something differently or something new, you need to figure out, okay, where where do my weaknesses lie right now? What do I need to work on? And I think this is where a lot of runners come to us.
1: Yeah. And so the question is, do you in fact need more knowledge base? Do you need more Uh, experience-based. If you want to look at it from a running aspect, do you need more endurance foundation? Do you need more strength foundation? Is it time to sort of pull back and work on, on your mobility? If you look at everything that you've got going on in your life and you're like, well, I've trained for this half marathon and this half marathon and this half marathon, I'm sleeping about three hours a night. Maybe you should pull back from your half marathon training and focus on sleeping more. I bet that if you focused on adding more sleep and healthy food into your life, even if that meant pulling back substantially on your mileage, you would have an overall better health perspective.
0: And you might even get faster.
1: Probably. And you
0: probably are going to avoid those injuries. And, you know, this is the the key point. and, and This is where we do see a lot of athletes coming to us, a lot of runners coming to us when they're not sure what is the next step, like where they should go at this point. Because all they know is that they're frustrated, right? They're in a cycle of injury. They're inconsistent. Maybe they've tried some things in the past and they just kind of hit a plateau and they're not sure what to do. They know that they need to do something. They know they need to do
1: something, right?
0: But they're not sure what that is, and that's why, like co- having a coach, having a mentor, having a community, and a team that can help support you and guide you in the, on these paths is so I'm mean, invaluable.
1: Right. I mean, this goes into the same thing of all of the races that are out, out there right now are canceled.
0: Right. Like, and that's one of the beautiful things about this time period is that you don't have to be training for a race right now.
1: That's what I was going to say is why Why is it that you run? Like now, this crazy time that we're in, just pause for long enough that you can really think about why it is that you run. Because that why then determines your path forward Mm -hmm. like that really determines what your next step is because you've actually stopped to think about why you're going out and running like if all you're doing is running for a race there's a why behind that like there's a second why so when the race disappears why is it that you're still heading out the door if if races if you could imagine a world where races never come back Mm -hmm. would you still head out the door and why
0: well, and, and this, even races, even when, even if your goal is to complete a half marathon or a marathon or a 5k, whatever the distance might be for you, uh, well, I'm, I'm just doing this because I want to complete it. Well, why do you want to complete it? What, what is that going to say about you? Well, I like the, ch- I think I should challenge myself, but why? What, what does that challenge prove to you? What kind, it, it, it basically, and if you keep asking why, and if you keep digging deep enough, you're, it's going to come down to the kind of person that you want to be. That's always what it comes down to. It comes down to your your identity. Like, who are you? What kind of person are you? How are you showing up in your life? Because you do only get one shot at life as a whole. And you haven't missed your shot. You haven't missed your opportunity. You can always start. Today can be day one. Today can be day 1001. It doesn't matter. But you do have one shot at your life. And there's always a time or a chance for you to pivot if things aren't going the way that you want it to. So gain the knowledge, seek out the mentors, do some learning, but then don't be afraid to just jump in and do it. Okay, so today we talked a lot about things that could possibly hold us back, like lack of knowledge or just feeling like we're not ready enough. So if you are interested in some of the common mistakes that runners make that do tend to hold them back, we have a free resource available for you. If you head over to realliferunners.com forward slash mistakes you can pick that up for free again that's realliferunners.com forward slash mistakes you could also just go to our homepage, realliferunners.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and you can sign up for it there when you put in your name and your email address we will email you a complete pdf guide um, that we created as well as an audio file an audio training that you could listen to to help you kind of figure out what mistakes you could be making in your training that could be holding you back so again that's realliferunners.com forward slash mistakes as always thank you for spending this time with us we appreciate you taking the time to make yourself into a better runner and a better person and make this world a better place this has been the real life runners podcast episode number 148 now get out there and run your life